Welcome to Global Outpouring. This is Philip Buss. And I'm Sharon Buss. The Lord is calling us to enter into His rest. There's so much going on around us all the time that's trying to get our attention, trying to distract us, trying to keep us from looking at Jesus. And He's calling us to come to Him and rest so that we can rest assured. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus and his disciples were in a boat crossing the Sea of Galilee, which, by the way, is actually a lake. It's not a a sea like we think of seas as having salt water. It's fresh water. And it's like the big reservoir for Israel to this day. It's it's really important how much water is in there. And there's there's deep, deep depths there. And sometimes the wind comes up across from the east, and it will bring heat, and it can stir up a storm in a moment's time. And the disciples had seen lots of storms because they were fishermen. And so they they were out there in this boat and crossing the lake. Jesus had told them, get in the boat. We're crossing the lake. And he was tired. He'd been preaching. He'd been telling parables all day. And so he went into the back of the boat and went, went to sleep on a pillow. And this storm comes up and his disciples just knew they were going to die because they'd seen storms like this before and they'd probably seen some of their friends go down. So they woke up Jesus and they said, Master, don't you care that we're about to die? And Jesus got up and he spoke to the wind. He rebuked the wind and he said, peace. He probably said, shalom. Yes, shalom. Be still. And immediately the wind stopped. And there was a great calm. And Jesus said to them, Why are you so fearful? And how is it that you have no faith? When Jesus said at the beginning of it, he said, Let's go over to the other side. He's the master. He's the master of everything. And when things are going crazy all around us, he still says, Shalom, peace. Be still. It's time for us to enter into rest because he has a plan. And his big plan at that point was to go across the lake and set free a demoniac. Yes, that's right. And I believe that this terrible storm came up to keep him from getting into a territory that was occupied by demons. And of course, the demons went out of the man and into a thousand pigs, and they went down into the lake and drowned. Well, then that was the end of of them (laughs) in, in that territory. Jesus had gone over into the territory of the devil to deliver this man. And then the the local people said, uh, you can leave here now because, because he had just ruined one of their industries. (laughs) But the point is, that the devil is up in arms because the kingdom of God is getting closer and closer and the people of God are getting closer and closer to him, to Jesus, and is putting the squeeze on that second heaven that is trying to keep us separated from God. And there's just about to be a turnover. The Holy Spirit spoke to me a couple of weeks ago. He spoke and said, 
you are entering the flip zone. Oh. And to me, what I saw when I heard that, it was like I saw like it's time for the tables to be flipped over. You know, when Jesus went into the temple and flipped over the tables, it was at a critical moment in his ministry. In fact, he did it twice. He did it at the beginning of his ministry, and he did it again at the end of his ministry yes. when he was about to go to the cross. It was it was uh, when he came down on Palm Sunday and entered into the temple at that point with all the hosannas and you know, what that really means is save us, son of David, save us. It doesn't mean hallelujah. It means save us, son of David. They saw him as the Messiah that they were expecting that was going to deliver them from Rome. And, you know, that caused quite a tussle among the, the people that had been appointed by Rome to run the temple. That's why they were so upset because they were so corrupt. Oh, that's another whole story. We'll take that up another time. But here we are with Jesus entering into a place and a time where it changed everything. He flipped the tables and he tossed out the money changers. And I believe that we're entering into a season where God is going to flip things on our adversary because uh, he, he's the forever loser, that adversary of ours. And, and, and we overcome him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. Yes. And we don't love our lives unto the death. We have to get over the fear of death because that keeps us in bondage, according to Hebrews. So here we see this place where our faith is challenged, where all of this turmoil is going on. There's a storm going on. Sometimes the storm is just in our own water glass. And sometimes the storm is all around us in society. Sometimes the storm is in our workplace. Sometimes it's in our school place. Sometimes it's, it's you know, on the streets around us. It might be the neighbors. It might be the, mm -hmm. the, the people next door. It could be, you know, drive-by shootings. All of these things are horrific, but they are part of the storm that's trying to keep us from entering into mm -hmm. his rest. Yes from entering that place of his quiet where he's where he says peace be still and he lives inside of us so all we have to do is let him step up inside of us and say shalom <sighs> and yeah. the winds stop i mean the world's ideas count to 10 you know when you're in a tight moment of something you know, could turn into anger or something just like take a big breath and count to 10 yeah, and it yeah. actually works. Yeah. It actually works to take a deep breath. No, I'm just saying that's what it is with, with Jesus. You know, we, we just pause like sila. Yes. You know, and then during the river we stop and, okay, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, you kind of regain your composure, I guess. Yes. This, because yes. you're, most of the time we're caught off guard. Yeah, that, well, that's what the forever loser's trying to do is catch us off guard. You know, recently when I've had those kind of occasions where, you know, these thoughts that sound like they come into my head, sounds like my head, sounds like my thinking, but they're thoughts that have been suggested by the forever loser, the, the enemy of my soul that's trying to put me down or trying to suggest something against someone because he's the accuser or trying to accuse me. And, you know, maybe I've made a mistake or maybe I'm thinking I'm going to make a mistake or something like that. But I have learned to step up into the spirit and begin to pray in tongues. 
I'm reminded of a, a, a story in Dave Roberson's book, The Walk of the Spirit, The Walk of Power. He tells a story of a man who was driving in his car on his way to a family member who had, I think it was like a, in a car accident, so it was a sudden, shocking, terrible situation that had come up, and he's trying to hold faith. I don't know if it was his son or his sister or somebody, somebody close to him that he wanted to hold faith for that this person is not going to die. And he's he's binding and loosing and declaring the scriptures, uh, uh, you know, he shall live and not die and declare the works of the Lord and, and all those scriptures. And, and he would get some victory and then the, then the whole thing would wash in again. He's going to die. He's going to die. He's going to die. And, and then he'd, he'd have to fight again with the scripture. And he, and he pulled back in his spirit and he said, Holy Spirit, this is a hard battle. What do I need to do? And the Holy Spirit said, pray in tongues. So he began to pray in tongues. And then he could hear this conversation between two demons. And the one demon says to the other demon, what's he saying? And the other one says, I don't know, but it sure is getting hot. Let's get out of here. <laughs> and that's a way that we enter into rest is by entering into the spirit. That's what, that's what uh, the book of Jude says. Jude one twenty says, but ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keeping yourself, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. We build up ourselves when we pray in the Spirit. Another way that we can get peace is just by breathing. Like Philip said a moment ago, taking a deep breath and counting to 10. The Lord showed me one time that his presence is like oxygen. You can't sense oxygen with your five senses. You can't smell it. You can't taste it. You can't hear it. You're touching it all the time, but you don't know you're touching it. But God's presence is that way. He's all around us, just like oxygen, and we can't live without him, just like oxygen. So when we, and when, and when Jesus said to his disciples, receive the Holy Spirit, he breathed on them. So if he exhaled to give us the Holy Spirit, all we have to do is inhale to receive from his presence, to receive the presence of God. We can just be bringing his presence into us. And in his presence, in his presence, there is rest. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, come unto me, all you that labor, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm going to read that in the Passion Translation. Are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me, I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me, for all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. It's like on your computer, you hit the refresh button. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we have to learn to hit that refresh button. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> a spiritual refresh button. That's, that's a good thought. The, the scripture that we just read reminds me of an experience that I had when I became the vice president of this ministry. 
our vice president had passed away and Sister Gwen Shaw, our founder, said to me, just days before, days before the vice president passed away, she looked at me and she pointed her finger at me and she said, you're my VP. And the Lord had spoken to me uh, 30-something years earlier and said, you will take her place when she's gone. I was 18 years old when I heard that from the Lord. And it was some 30 years later that it came to the point where being made the vice president meant that I was also the successor to the president. So when, when that board meeting took place to officially make me the vice president, as we left that meeting, I was by myself walking down the sidewalk and all of a sudden I began to feel the enormity of this yoke, of this responsibility that was coming upon me. And it started to overwhelm me. And in that moment, I had a vision. And what I saw was something that I understood to be the yoke of the, of the office of the vice president. So I saw what looked like a PVC pipe about, I don't know, four or five inches in di- diameter. And it was hanging over my shoulders. And it went out on either side of me about, I don't know, about uh, maybe 10 yards, 30 feet to 10 meters or so, roughly, maybe 20 feet. It was long. It was broad. It was, it was the responsibility of this office. But it was hanging about six inches above my shoulders. And as I looked a little further, I saw the reason why it was hanging six inches above my shoulders was because there was a great big angel on either side of me, probably about 12 feet tall or so. And uh, let's see, what would that be in meters? Um, they, they, were, they were about four meters tall. And they were holding this thing in a very relaxed position at arm's length um, at their sides. They had their arms at their sides and their hands were like cupped. And they were holding this yoke six inches above my shoulders. And then I understood that my job was just to stay under. And so I got peace from that. I knew that that was what God wanted me to do is just stay under the yoke. I didn't have to carry the yoke. I didn't have to be responsible. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. It's easy and light because somebody else is carrying it. Even even Jesus himself, you know, he occupies us. The more we let him occupy, the more he occupies. And he's waiting for us to just keep letting go, keep letting go of our thing. And let him do the work. You know, when I was a child, I used to have this recurring nightmare of of being in the back seat of a car. And there's nobody in the driver's seat. And we're on a narrow little one-lane road. I think it was unpaved. And it's going between water on either side, like deep water on either side, like a like a causeway or something like that. And and I would freak out every time I would have this. And I had it over and over, 
know, somewhere in between age five to eight, nine, something like that. And it, it, it traumatized me at the time. But as I have gotten older and come into this position where I'm, I'm understanding that this is God's ministry and he wants to run it. And my job is just to stay under his yoke and just do what he says to do. Like Jesus said that he only did what he, what he saw his father doing. He only said what he heard his father saying. Even when he had compassion on somebody and wanted to heal them, if he didn't see his father do it, he didn't do it. Hmm. And so remember the, the uh, paralytic at the, at the gate, beautiful. Jesus walked by that same guy numerous times. Many times, yes. But he left him for Peter and John to heal later. So Jesus only did what he saw his father doing. So that's what we as believers are supposed to be becoming like him, where he does the work. And as I've grown up in the Lord, I see that the Holy Spirit is the one that's in the driver's seat. And there really is a driver. I just can't see him. And I can be at peace and I can be at rest. He's teaching us to rest. He's teaching us to walk in his ways and keep his charge. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 4 is talking about comparing what happened with the children of Israel in the Old Testament to where we are now after Jesus has given his life as a sacrifice, and now he is our high priest interceding for us. And he's drawing all kinds of, of understanding from the life of the children of Israel. So when they were getting ready to go into the promised land, the first time God told them to go into the promised land, and Moses sent 12 spies, one from each tribe, to go and look at the land and come back with a report. Joshua and Caleb came back with a good report, but the other 10 said, no, 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 no. It, it really is a nice place. And there's, there's milk and honey there, just like God said. But there's also giants, and we were like grasshoppers in their sight. And it made everybody so upset. They said, no, we're not going. We're not going. What have, Moses, what have you done to us? This is terrible. And, and God was so upset with them that he swore that they would not go into that promised land because that was the promise of their rest. This word rest in the Hebrew is talking about a place of dwelling, an abode. And in, in, in Ruth chapter 1, it's, it's talking about a, a place of rest where it could, it could even mean a place of matrimony, a place where, where you enter into with your spouse and that's the place that God is looking for a bride that's ready to enter into the rest of the Lord, marrying the bridegroom. Verse 11 of Hebrews 4 says, this is in the Passion Translation, so then we must give our all and be eager to experience this faithful rest so that no one falls short by following the same pattern of doubt and unbelief. And verse 12, for we have the living word of God, which is full of energy, like a two-mouthed sword. It will even penetrate to the very core of our being where soul and spirit, bone and marrow meet. It interprets and reveals the true thoughts and secret motives of our hearts. That's the place 
where God wants to take us to in rest. He's trying to get us into this place where we are still enough that he can show us our own hearts, where he can show us where we need to make corrections, where his spirit can deal with us because his word is like a sword. It'll cut like a scalpel and reveal things that are hidden in there that either we didn't know were there or we didn't realize these things were a problem. He's looking for us to enter that place of rest where we can let him do his thing in changing us in bringing us into his presence where we can be transformed from glory to glory. Yes. We have, we've always, when we quote that scripture, verse 12, when the, the word of God is a two-edged sword, we always use it in another way, not relating to rest, you know, but it, it relates to rest. We usually take it, like use it for warfare. The word of God, it's powerful, and yeah. when we speak it, we declare it, but we don't see the scriptures before it. It's relating, dealing with rest. Yeah, in, in the context, it's really re dealing with rest and getting to that place where we can let that sword pierce our own hearts Yes, and deal with us. Why don't you share that vision you had of when you were in the kitty car? Oh, <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing, actually. Um, I was, I saw myself... In this little kitty car, you know how, how it, it looked like this big, brightly colored plastic car that, that has a motor in it, you know, but it'll only just go so fast. And I was driving furiously and just, you know, turning the wheel and, and, and grabbing up and down the, you know, the, the gear shift and trying, trying to make it go faster. And, but it would only just creep along no matter how furiously I was laboring at it to try and make it go faster. And I felt like the Lord was showing me that uh, some of my activities and some of my attitudes and some of my, um, some of my stuff that I was doing really wasn't being done the way he wanted it done. In fact, I was probably doing stuff I had no business doing. He, he spoke to me one time, not necessarily in regard to this vision, but he spoke to me one time and said, there are plenty of things you're capable of doing that I've not called you to do. Ouch. Hallelujah. Yeah, ouch, hallelujah. So some months later, I had another vision that was in the same locality as the first vision, only instead of being outside in the parking lot trying to drive my little kitty car as fast as it would go, and it wouldn't go very fast. I saw myself as a little girl, same little girl, coming out of the building on a gurney. And I was absolutely still. And the attendants that were taking me on this gurney were taking me to a silver limousine. And when the door to the limousine opened up, I could see that the inside was gold-colored and there was, there was golden glory that was pouring out of it and they were about to put me into it. You know, when we will let go of our own way and our own thoughts and our own worldly ways of thinking, when we let God renew our mind, when we let his word work in us, when we let his spirit work in us in that place of rest... When we get still, he will take us to the place 
that he wants us to go and he will anoint us to do all of the things that he has written in his book, in uh, the book of our lives. And he will bring us into the fullness of our destiny. But you'll, we will never get into the fullness of our destiny if we're trying to do it in our own flesh, if we're trying to do it in our own emotions, if we're trying to do it in our own thinking. We'll never get there. But if we will submit to him and let him do his thing his way, I'm, I'm reminded of Second Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10, is talking about where Paul was struggling with this thorn in his flesh. It was a messenger of Satan that was sent to torment him and to buffet him because of the great revelation that he walked in. And he asked God three times to take this thing away from him. But the Lord spoke to him. And I'm going to read the the two verses, nine and 10, from the Passion Translation. But he answered me, my grace is always more than enough for you. And my power finds its full expression through your weakness. So I will celebrate my weaknesses, Paul says, for when I'm weak, I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me. So I'm not defeated by my weakness, but delighted. For when I feel my weakness and endure mistreatment, when I'm surrounded with troubles on every side and face persecution because of my love for Christ, I'm made yet stronger. Listen to this, for my weakness becomes a portal to God's power. Hallelujah. That's where he wants to take us. But we have to go into that place of weakness where we're not relying on our own strength anymore. We're relying on him inside of us, standing up inside of us saying, Shalom, peace, be still, enter into my rest. And rest assured that I have something really great for you and really glorious for you as I pour out my spirit on all flesh. Amen. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps the show reach more people and spread the good news of God's global outpouring. Check out our website at globaloutpouring.org to find out more information, connect with us, get a link to our Facebook page and our YouTube channel. You can browse our online bookstore for amazing anointed material. Until next time, this is Sharon Buss. And I'm Philip Buss. God bless you with his overwhelming, loving presence.